know, the National Hockey League, the best league in the world. Uh, I think we're all blessed to play in it. We're all blessed to work uh, in it and around the athletes uh, that we get to work around. And, you know, now I, I travel around. Uh, I s still live in the dream. I'm still on the private plane. I'm eating the good food and I don't get beat up anymore. And that's that's the beauty of it, you know. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli. This is Crunch Chronicles. Episode 11 of the program. Hard to believe we're already 11 episodes in now to Crunch Chronicles, but we have thoroughly enjoyed our conversations so far, and we hope you have too, listening wherever you are here today. We got a lot of great feedback from our last episode, episode 10 with Vance Lederman, the CFO of the Syracuse Crunch. Hope you enjoyed that one in the previous nine before that as well. As we shift to episode 11 now, we have a wonderful guest on the show here today. We have received uh, several emails and, and notes over the last couple of weeks uh, requesting certain Crunch alumni. And, and again, we promise we'll get to each and every one of our Crunch alumni as we go along over the next, uh, well, this will certainly take a while to get through everyone, but we'll get there as we continue to move along. But one of the guys who was requested recently was a player who spent three seasons with the Crunch back in 1995 through 1998. He is still involved in hockey these days, living out in nice, sunny, warm Arizona. We're talking about Tyson Nash, who joins us here today on Crunch Chronicles. Tyson spent, as we said, three seasons. He's, he played 50 games in his rookie season in 1995-1996, 11 points as a rookie that season for the Crunch, then over 70 games in his final two seasons in Syracuse. A guy who came with a chip on his shoulder from the very start. He was a, a player who was drafted back in the 10th round when he used to have that many rounds in the NHL draft. Canucks drafted him 247th overall in 1994. So he came in with a chip on his shoulder, wanted to prove people wrong, played pretty well in Syracuse for a few years, then uh, left the Vancouver organization, never got the opportunity he was hoping for with the Canucks, left the organization, ended up carving out a pretty good career for himself, went to the Blues organization, spent uh, several seasons in St. Louis, then played for two years with the Phoenix Coyotes before wrapping up his career a couple of years after that, and then getting into the broadcast business where he has been with the Coyotes ever since as an analyst, first on their radio broadcasts and now on television. So we're very happy to have a guy who spent three seasons with the Crunch, and he is episode 11 on Crunch. Crunch Chronicles, it's Tyson Nash. Holy, did you just age me? I cannot believe it's been that long since uh, my days in, in Syracuse. That's, uh, that's, that's tough to stomach. I guess I'm starting to look like an old catcher's mitt with eyes. So uh, anyway, I love to talk crunch hockey. Absolutely. Yeah, so you are uh, in Arizona, right, with the Coyotes these days. Uh, fill everyone in if, if they're not familiar with what you're doing with the Coyotes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, believe it or not, again, I'm going to age myself, but, uh, I think it's been my 14th year now, uh, in broadcasting with the, uh, with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, the, basically the second I finished playing hockey, uh, I grabbed the microphone and, uh, I've been, I've been talking coyote hockey ever since. So, uh, it's a tough place to leave too. Obviously Arizona's a beautiful Scottsdale, um, deep roots here in the community, uh, after uh, my playing days and, 
uh, it was just kind of the perfect fit. So it's, uh, I found it tough, tough to leave. Yeah. And, and you've, uh, like you said, you've been there for quite a while now, uh, not to age you again, as you said, but it's been a good run for you there in Arizona. What, uh, is there, uh, you know, we'll start with the broadcasting. Was that always something you were, you know, kind of interested in doing? You, you said you finished your career and you jumped right behind the mic. Yeah, you know what? It was. Uh, you don't think about it as a, as a player. Uh, you know, you you never think that it's going to end, right? First of all, and all of a sudden the the, the door closes, and uh, you're knocking on every other door, and no one's you know opening it up, and all of a sudden your career uh, comes to a screeching halt. Um, so you know what happened with me was I had a I had a tryout actually in in Tampa, and I think the uh, I think the farm team at the time actually was uh, was the Syracuse Crunch I believe uh, I might be mistaken but um, so I said you know this might be a, a good fit well our president called me um, and from the Coyotes and Louis DeBrusque had taken a job up in Edmonton and he said listen we just had the radio job become available he goes you're the perfect fit for it I know you still want to play hockey but you really need to, to think about this and Doug Moss was our president at the time and uh, you're trying to wrap your head around it going, well, I can still play. I still want to play, but I get it. You know, I get these jobs don't come around very often. So, you know, I thought about it long and hard and it was an opportunity for me to, you know, maintain my home in Arizona. My kids were, you know, uh, in school, had friends, all that stuff. So I didn't want to, you know, tear the whole family up and, and move to wherever, you know, hockey was going to going to take me. So I took the job. And honestly, now when I look back, I'm like, this was the best thing I ever did because my second career now in broadcasting, um, you know, was better than uh, my first career, which was a hockey player in the national hockey. Yeah. And that's great. What have you enjoyed the most about it? You've obviously stuck in the game, which is I'm sure is an enjoyable part for you. You've stayed in Arizona, like you said, but what, what have you enjoyed the most uh, being behind the mic? I think just traveling around, being uh, around hockey, um, you know, the National Hockey League, the best league in the world. Uh, I think we're all blessed to play in it. We're all blessed to work uh, in it and around the athletes uh, that we get to work around. And, you know, now I, I travel around. Uh, I'm still living the dream. I'm still on the private plane. I'm eating the good food. And I don't get beat up anymore. And that's <laughs> that's the beauty of it, you know. So, um, love what I do. I also love the fact that I think as a player, you really don't enjoy the cities. Um, that you travel to as much because you're so focused on on the next game and uh, getting rest and refueled, uh, you know. So now as a broadcaster, I may uh, I may dabble uh, maybe a little bit too much, uh, but I, I absolutely love traveling around uh, and venturing in, in every city. Uh, well, you've earned it for sure after the playing career. Now, now you is that time for you to get that opportunity to enjoy it? And uh, you mentioned the private jets. You mentioned the the fun uh, the travel you've got th- these days. I guess that is a uh, I don't know if it's a perfect transition but it's a way to transition into the uh, the AHL life which you started your your pro career in the AHL obviously no private jets back then uh, and still not today either uh, we'll start with uh, with a, just a general thought you were back like we said with a crunch for three seasons uh, 1995 was your first year your rookie year uh, just uh, give us a general uh, thought and, and what it was like for your three years here with the crunch uh, it was absolutely amazing um you know, you don't know what to expect. You're a junior hockey player. You're living, uh, you know, with the, with your billet mom and, um, you know, other players on the team. And all of a sudden, you know, I was a 20-year-old kid still at the time. And, you know, you're moving all across the world. I was a West Coast kid. And now I'm living in, in Syracuse, New York. You're trying to find an apartment. Um, you know, you're trying to find a roommate. You're trying to figure out how to, you know, do your laundry, how to cook, how to pay bills. Um, just all stuff that, 
you know, I'd never done before. So all of a sudden you got to grow up real fast. Um, and then the hockey part of it, right. You're, you're trying to, um, you know, be the player and, and live out your dream, which is ultimately making the national hockey league, but you have to have success, um, at the American hockey league level. And, uh, I was so blessed with, you know, first of all, the organization, how good they were, uh, to us, um, how they helped us in the city to, you know, to kind of figure and, and, you know, maneuver around and, um, obviously the coaching staff and, you know, just everyone was so incredible to, to us as players, uh, completely first class. The fans were absolutely nuts. I still think they are, I believe, uh, to this day, um, we had, oh yeah, we had sellouts, they're screaming and yelling and we had some tough teams too. So, um, they just absolutely loved it. I was a pigeon. I wasn't a great player, but because of the way I played, they, you know, they, they took a liking to me for whatever reason. And, um, I, I love it. I, I, I love coming back, uh, every chance I can get, I do come back, um, when, uh, when offered. So, uh, it's, it's a special place. Well, you mentioned the fans loving you. I mean, you were one of the, uh, it were, this show is still relatively new and you were one of the first guys that was requested from, uh, one of some of the fans this year. So that's, uh, it's part of the reason why you're on so early on in our program, which we're very excited to have you here. And you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the organization and how you were treated. It was still a, a very new organization here in Syracuse. It was only the second year. Your first year was the second year the Crunch were back in the area. Did it still, uh, when you, by the time you got here, um, obviously the honeymoon period hadn't worn off. The fans were still uh, hooting and hollering and packing the building, like you say. Uh, what, you know, just what was that experience uh, still with a relatively new organization, but you got such great support on the ice and off the ice? Yeah. I mean, I think as a player, that's what you want, right? Like what we've gone through in the last couple of years, I don't think people have realized how difficult it is for players to play without fans and to play in these bubbles and, um, you know, still blocking a shot or getting in a fight and taking a punch uh, or taking a hit for the team. I mean, it just, it, it hurts that much more. Uh, when there's no fans in the building and I, I love doing it. Uh, there were some games you're so banged up, but the crowd just motivates you and gets behind you and energizes you. And I, I live for it. I, I love playing in Syracuse in front of those fans. Uh, they loved hard work. They appreciated uh, the skill guys, but they also appreciated the the pluggers and, and the guys that had to really grind it out and, and earn and scratch and claw for everything they were going to get. And um, again, it, you know, that uniform, um, skating out on that ice, it, it was real special. That building, um, you know, from Slapshot and, you know, you remember all those things and uh, it was a gritty city. I also remember <laughs> when we were at the Vancouver Canucks, which is a Canadian organization and we were all paid in Canadian funds. So I'll never forget coming to Syracuse, all of a sudden all our money's in Canadian. I think I was, you know, I was making bottom of the barrel money. I could barely scrape by and, and pay my rent every month. In fact, in the summers, I had to go home and deliver pizzas as a delivery driver for Pizza Hut oh, because no. I had to I had to make ends meet because the Canucks, you know, weren't paying us in US dollars. So that would have been a big difference. I think the exchange rate was like a buck forty five at the time. So oh. we were really getting uh, you know, taken advantage of. Yeah, that's a that's a rough uh, rough goal. And and I can it's so different now. I guess you consider with the game now versus then you're going home and delivering pizzas these days. All the, the athletes are going home and they're they're basically trading all summer for the next year. I, what a what a difference. Uh, the, the time has uh, changed things over the years. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Like, I, I don't regret it for one bit. Like Syracuse, 
um, you know, was, was so great because it was, a it was a hard working, it was a gritty town. It was, you know, the people were so amazing and, uh, you know, it just, you don't regret any of it, you know, like the, the journey is, is the special part of, of it all. Right. And, you know, struggling to pay your rent every month and having to watch every penny, um, you know, and, and every meal, you know, making sure you didn't spend over a certain amount. Um, that's all part of it. And, and that, builds character and you go through adversity and and that only makes you stronger and i would never change it for the world my kids are going through it right now and as much as you want to help out as a parent and you can help out as a parent you still have to you know have your kids struggle a little bit i I truly believe that yeah it's that learning experience and you come here as a 20 year old like you mentioned uh you're on your own a bit uh i'm sure it was jarring away from the ice as you've mentioned but on the ice your rookie season you you play 50 games uh you you learn the pro game a bit what was that first season like for you you know on the ice uh, with this team and and just I guess learning what the pro game was all about yeah I mean it was a a real big wake-up call now you're playing pro hockey you're you're playing against men right I think the hardest thing for me was I didn't know I'd have to get rookied again I thought I was all through that with junior hockey and now we're all pros well no no yeah I remember Matt Ruckty and Ruck uh and Brian Felsner and and some of the big veteran guys that we had uh you know we had to get rookied again we had to go through the whole process again and as a player you know you you come in and and you start all over again as well now all of a sudden I'm I'm on the fourth line and I'm having to earn everything all over again uh just like you did in junior hockey as a, as a 16 year old you start at the bottom and you build your way up to the top and by the time you're 19 you're playing on the power play you're killing penalties you're you're playing 25 minutes a night it was no different in in Syracuse and again it, it builds character and it prepares you for the next level and we always had great coaches Jack McElhardy he was one of the best coaches around and he taught me what it was like and what I was going to have to do in order to get to that next level. Yeah, I'm always amazed at that transition that the players have to go through like yourself as you mentioned uh, you know you're you're that top line top role player one year the next year you're as you say limited minutes figuring things out again at the pro level uh, how you know what what is how does that build character I guess in a player is going through that for the second time this time at the pro level uh, and and having to you know scrap your way back up towards where you want to be to then eventually get that call up to the NHL well it makes you hungry uh, you know, it keeps you hungry. It, you know, I, my whole life I was told I was never good enough, never fast enough. I was never going to make it. Um, you know, I had some teachers who were really, really hard on me, uh, growing up and, um, I came from a broken home and I, I think, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I was a 10th round draft pick and everyone was getting called up ahead of me and I had more goals. Sometimes I had a, a better weekend and yet, you know, someone gets called up ahead of you. And, you know, I just, it was hard not to, and I did, I, I got pissed off and, and that's what fueled my fire is I was going to show everybody. I was, you know, I was going to prove everyone, everyone wrong all the time. I spent my whole life doing it and it's a, it's a tough way to live, but it's also what motivated me sadly. And, and, but it also is what got me to the, to the national hockey league ultimately. And then when I did get that chance, finally, I was not going to be denied. I was going to make sure that 
if I played one minute, one game, 10 games that they were going to know I was on the ice at all times. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you certainly used that uh, fuel to, to get to where you wanted to be. You had a, a nice uh, career in the NHL uh, by the time you were done in Syracuse. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to the NHL time in a little bit, but uh, going back to your time with the Crunch, uh, year number two, I mean, you saw the, the development and the steps on in terms of numbers each year while you were here. Year number two was uh, 17 goals, I think it was, uh, 34 points. Uh, what was you know, what was year two like for you as you're now more comfortable in your second season in pro hockey? I think that's just what it was. I was more comfortable. Um, you know, in year one, I remember I got hurt. Uh, you know, my, my grandfather, who I was really close to, he passed away that year. And, um, you know, I went to, to Raleigh in, in the East Coast Hockey League. So all of a sudden you're, you're going in reverse, right? And I was so pissed off. I was so upset that I got sent down uh, to Raleigh. I think it was just for four or five games, but it didn't matter. It, it was the opposite of you know, opposite direction of, of which you're trying to get to, which was for us, it was Vancouver at the time, which was the NHL club. So um, year two, you, you never took anything for granted because you know how quickly things can turn. And I started to have some success early in the season. And, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, uh, I had a great training camp. Now I'm having some success down here uh, in Syracuse. It's just a matter of time before I get called up. And, uh, I just kept grinding, kept playing, making sure I didn't change my game, even though I was starting to score a little bit more. I still wanted to bring that physical, uh, element to my game because I, I think it was Mike Keenan that was the coach in Vancouver at the time. So I, he, I knew he liked tough players. And, uh, unfortunately though, even year two and year three, I, I never, I never got that chance. I never got that sniff. I remember, um, because we were so far away, the only thing that sucked about us being in Syracuse was the fact that Vancouver was our team and it was across the world basically is that you had to fly. So if someone got hurt in Vancouver, you couldn't get there for two days basically in order to play. So it was a, it was a real broken system at that time. Um, but I, yeah, I never ended up getting the call from Vancouver, and uh, I spent three full years in Syracuse. Yeah, well, in year number three, you end up with a 20-goal season. I know there's a, a, a pretty funny story about uh, that year with you approaching the 20-goal mark near the end of the season. Yeah, I uh, I think, I, I'm not sure where you're going with that, but I think my 20th goal, I, I believe, was uh, was a, uh, a penalty shot in uh, in Philadelphia. Um, there was also, I think my 19th goal was, I think I scored from the far blue line. I just flipped, I flipped it in and I think it ended up bouncing all the way down and in the back of the net. Um, and then I think a couple nights later in Philadelphia, I'll never forget, um, we were playing the phantoms and I ended up getting a penalty shot and on my penalty shot, I ended up uh, tripping and falling and sliding into the corner and I got abused. Like no one's been abused before, not only by the fans, but by both benches. I had to skate by the phantoms bench and then I had to skate by <laughs> our bench, of course. And I, Oh my God, it was, it was embarrassing. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I guess you kind of expect that though, when you go down and, and you just, I guess you got to eat it for a couple minutes there, huh? Yeah, you certainly do. Actually, and then, so now, okay, now I remember. Then we played actually in Cincinnati, or yeah, it was uh, Cincinnati, and that's where I got another penalty shot a couple <laughs> games later, and that's actually where I scored. I'll never forget my 20th goal. Obviously, I was a big one for a plug like me, so uh, I, I had the full redemption um, 
uh, on that penalty shot. Couldn't draw it up any better. Well, that's awesome. A 20-goal season there, your third year uh, with the Crunch. Is there, a, is there a moment or a memory from you from your three years here that kind of sticks out as uh, maybe it is that, that penalty shot you just mentioned uh, that from, uh, from your time here, though, with the Crunch? Anything that sticks out in particular? I think just, you know, uh, the people, right? Um, the owners, absolutely amazing. Um, you know, how they took care of us, just, you know, the, uh, just making sure we were comfortable and, 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 and enjoying it and, and loving it. The facilities, um, you know, we had that training facility downstairs that was absolutely beautiful, uh, hot tub and just, and then just the people around town, you know, like we lived, my first year I lived in, uh, way out in Camillus. Um, and then my second and third year, uh, we lived right on, on campus. We lived right on, uh, you know, Syracuse's campus and we had the time of our lives. Uh, we played hard on the weekends, but we partied after our last game on the weekend. And even during the week, we'd go to Fagans, we'd go to 44s, you know, it was, um, you know, you'd go out with 20 bucks and you'd come home with 10 and, and, you know, you'd have the time of your life and just the people you meet and the experience. And that was the beauty of it. I, I never went to, to college and if I could do my life over again, I, I probably would, you know, after hearing the experience that guys had, but for us as, as Syracuse, uh, crunch players living on campus, we could live the life and we didn't have to go to school. <laughs> perfect. We, it, was, it, was, it was ideal. So it was absolutely perfect. Uh, it's awesome. Well, it, it's, uh, it's been great to, you know, to, to catch up on that a little bit. I know there, you were, I don't know if, how much of a prankster you were. I know there's a couple pranks over the years that you played. Is there anything that either a crunch teammate played on you or, or something you did to a teammate here over the years that sticks out? Oh man, a, a couple we we can't even mention. Oh, of course. Uh, that that's for sure, especially in this day and age. Um, but uh, I mean, the rookie initiation. I, I know that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but we that was probably the highlight of of it all. I mean, when you get rookied, I know it's awful, and I know people are like, I can't believe this happens, and I wouldn't want it to happen to my kid. But it was also like a, a rite of passage, right? It was it was also like, okay, I got I got rookied. Now I'm one of the boys. Now I'm part of the team, right? And I think there's I think that's an important thing for for players. Now, I think, you know, they need to change some of the things that <laughs> colleges and, you know, the 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 frosting or whatever they they call it, but it's uh it needs to change and I think it has changed, but uh I just I remember those days. I remember that time. I'll never forget it. And uh, I, the guys that went through it, uh, to, we'll never forget it. it. It bonded us as a as a group. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, we uh, if we go before your time in Syracuse, you were in the Western Hockey League, of course. You you had quite a, a junior career there in Kamloops. Uh, tell us about uh, uh, you know what you what you learned and and your experience there in the Western Hockey League. Well, a tough league. Uh, you know, I was 15 when I played my first uh, first game in, in junior. And when you think about it, I mean, you're a 15 year old playing with 21 uh, year old kids. I mean, it, it was it was insane. It was intimidating. You know, you walk into the shower and you're, you're a young boy. Right. And you're standing with with men and you're like, this is this is crazy. I got to play against these animals. So you, you, again, it's adversity. You learn and you grow up real fast. 
Um, and then the team that I, I played on in Kamloops, I was so fortunate. And my son's playing uh, in Lethbridge in the Western Hockey League right now. And his team is kind of going through a rebuild right now and they're struggling. And you realize now more than ever, when you get an opportunity to play on a team uh, like I did, which was a, a dynasty, we won three Memorial Cups, which is like the Stanley Cup in, in four years that I was there. I mean, that that doesn't exist. You're lucky if you get to the playoffs, right. let, let alone get to the Memorial Cup. Uh, you know, three out of four years. So uh, we had so many great players that I, that I learned from uh, my roommate, Daryl Sador, who I lived with Zach Boyer, uh, who's a long time, uh, played a little bit in the NHL, played a ton in the IHL. Um, you know, you you learn from these types of pros as a young kid and it's so valuable and you soak it up. Scott Niedemeyer was on that team. Corey Hirsch was on that team. Um, just so many, you know, great, NHL players, Jerome McGinley, Shane Doan, I mean, Hall of Famers. Right. I mean, we had two Hall of NHL Hall of Famers on that junior team that I played with, which which doesn't ever happen. So very fortunate kid to be a part of uh, an organization like that. When you win at that level, I, I don't care. It teaches you how hard it is to win, no matter where you go after that, what business you, you get involved in. It, it teaches you how to win, and, you, and people can never take that away from you. Yeah, and like you say, three Memorial Cups in four years. You're one of uh, three guys to, to to do that with one single team. Uh, you mentioned your son uh, Ty is going through the same type of thing now. What's it like for you to, to see him, uh, you know, going through the, the kind of following the same path that you did now, playing with Lethbridge? Well, I love the fact that yeah, you know, the game has changed, uh, and it's not as tough as it used to be, and there's not as many fights as it used to be. Because I think that would be difficult. I, I don't know how my parents, uh, you know, handled it on, on the daily. I mean, uh, thank God we had a tough team in Syracuse, but so did Rochester, so did Philadelphia, so did so many other teams, and uh, we had some battles. I remember playing uh, Hamilton, and they had Dennis Bonvi, and the fights that we used to get in. I remember he hit me so hard square in the forehead it cracked my helmet right in half like oh. a, like an egg and i'll never forget it. it happened right at center ice in syracuse and you you still I actually saw bon B the other day in uh, in philadelphia up in the press box and we laughed about it you know uh-huh. um it's just you never forget those those memories but uh anyway it's uh yeah it's a special place uh, is there a guy that you really just couldn't stand to, to play against while you were here who is either tough as nails like a Dennis Bonvi or whoever it might be? I think it was Bonvi. I think it was because he was so tough and there was nothing I could do about it. And he knew it, right? So um, he he could play, he could hit. So we, we had some epic, epic battles. Um, and then it was funny because we played against each other shortly after that. He was with Pittsburgh. I was with, uh, St. Louis and, uh, it's funny. We didn't lock horns at all. We didn't get, cause there was much tougher guys on our team at that time that he had to dance with. So I was, I was pretty relieved that, uh, that I had a, a free pass that night. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you mentioned St. Louis. That's where you made your NHL debut a couple of years after your time with a crunch. Uh, we'll touch on that real quick. What did it mean to you to, uh, I guess that first night, what do you remember from your NHL debut? And then to obviously have stuck there for pretty much the remainder of your career. Yeah, I mean, you never forget it, right? I spent three years in Syracuse, as you mentioned. I, I spent uh, half of a year in, in Worcester uh, with St. Louis's farm team, and I finally got the call. And I'll never forget it. My dad telling me, you know, this could be it. You're 24 years old. You may not get another opportunity. So at the end of it, don't say woulda, coulda, shoulda. 
you know, lay it all on the ice, whether you get one shift, 10 shifts, um, make sure they, they know who you are by the end of that game, good or bad. And I remember it was an afternoon game. I had my bag. I walk into the locker room and, uh, I see my Jersey hanging in the stall and you'll never forget that. You see the logo, the blues logo in the middle of the, the locker room. You see your Jersey number nine hanging there with your, your name on it. And your, your dream, uh, has just come true. And I, I didn't want it to end there. And I took my dad's advice. I, I played that afternoon against the Dallas stars. I think I chopped and hacked everyone. I possibly could. I ended up fighting Pat Verbeek at the end of the game. Um, so they definitely, I played six minutes, I believe in that game. I had one shot on that. Um, and I think I had six or seven hits in the game and, uh, I made my presence felt and I, I lasted uh, another game. I ended up playing in Toronto, uh, shortly after that. And I'll never forget Tony twist saying, Hey, you got the green light to do whatever you want. So feel free. You'll make my job easier. Cause he was the toughest guy in the, the NHL at that time. And I also had Kelly chase uh, in the lineup as well. So talk about, uh, being about eight feet tall <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yapping at everyone and anyone that would, uh, would look my way. So it, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, you, you'd love to see that. And, uh, and, and that first game you, you got in this, the uh, stat sheet, which if you want to get another one, that's what you need to do. And it certainly worked out for you there uh, as well as we shift to uh, present day. Once again, uh, we mentioned you're with the coyotes, obviously with the broadcast team there. Um, as we mentioned off the top, it's, it's not the, uh, the strongest year for the the Coyotes this year, I guess, to be expected. Former Crunch goaltender Scott Wedgwood actually just picked up the first win for the Coyotes there uh, last week. Uh, but what for you, what excites you for the Coyotes and the organization moving forward? Well, I think that, you know, it's, it's by design that the Coyotes, as you mentioned, are struggling so bad this year. I, I don't think there's anything worse as a fan than to cheer every year for a, for a mediocre team, a team that is just, just okay. Uh, and that's all we've done here since I arrived from St. Louis is it's been patchwork. You know, we had, we had Wayne Gretzky here as the coach. All of a sudden we were in a full rebuild year and he comes in and coaches. Well, you can't lose when Wayne Gretzky's your coach. So then you start adding pieces to the, to the puzzle. And instead of finishing dead last, like we were supposed to for the next two or three years, you finish just out of the playoffs. And now all of a sudden you're drafting, you know, the seventh or eighth pick overall. So instead of getting a, a Vetchkin, a, a Malkin, a, a Crosby, a Matthews, you know, you're getting a Martin Hansel, you're getting a Kyle Turris, you're getting a Mikel Bodker, and you can't win without franchise players. You, you need uh, franchise players, you need superstars, you need something for your fan base to get excited about, especially in a place like Arizona. And I think that's what excites me now is that our GM and our ownership group has said, okay, that's it. We have to we have to start from scratch. We have to finish dead last and hope that we pick first or second in the draft in the next two or three years. And we build from there and they've hired the best scouting staff, uh, possible. Um, and we're going to go out and we have draft picks now, uh, like crazy. And now we need to pick the proper players to build, uh, what we hope is going to be a winning team here in, in five or six years when we move into our new building. So lots to be excited about in the future for this group. It's going to be a, a tough couple of years right now. We all know that our fan base knows that. And I think they've, they've rallied around it. And the one thing though, that 
that also excites me is that we have a gritty group here. We have a group of hockey players that even though they're supposed to lose and the so-called experts say that we're supposed to lose and, and that's by design, they don't buy into it. They're, they're athletes, they're professional athletes. They want to win and they work every night in order to win. Um, you know, they don't have the talent. They don't have the offensive ability most nights, but the hard work is there. Um, they're scrappy. Uh, you know, when you play the Coyotes that you played a hockey game. Well, we look forward to uh, following along that journey over the next couple of years to see where it uh, takes the Coyotes down the line. Tyson Nash, we appreciate the time here today. Uh, three years, as we mentioned, off the top with the Syracuse Crunch. Hope you enjoyed uh, some of the uh, reminiscing about the Crunch. We thank you for doing this, and thanks for giving us the time here today. Absolutely. Anytime I can talk Crunch hockey, uh, <laughs> bring me on. Thank you. We appreciate Tyson Nash for joining us here on Crunch Chronicles this week. Episode 11 now in the books. And we uh, very much are uh, very appreciative of the time he gave us. A busy time of the year, of course, for the Arizona Coyotes. But you get the sense there that he he is excited uh, about the future of the Coyotes moving forward. Maybe not this year, maybe not in the next year or so. But uh, getting, you know, tearing it down to build it all back up and build a, a strong Coyotes team there in Arizona. So we wish him well moving forward a guy who as we mentioned and you heard and spent three years had some pretty fond memories of his time and, and you can tell he's got so many stories that some of them he, he can't obviously get into here um, and we're limited on time as well he was busy it was uh, right in the middle of a week for uh, the coyotes that week but um, you, you can tell he's just bubbling with stories about the crunch and about everything he's a, a good, just a great personality and uh, it was a fun conversation for us to get caught up with tyson nash hopefully you enjoyed the conversation on your end as well if you did we would certainly appreciate a rating and a review uh share the podcast with your friends if you got some crunch fans who maybe haven't listened to it uh yet let them know here we go we're 11 episodes in what are you waiting for we'd uh, love to get them on board and and share the podcast as well uh moving forward but that was tyson nash a great uh guest here on crunch chronicles all of the previous 10 episodes are also available wherever you listen to your podcasts if you haven't listened to those yet we encourage you to go back and do so and we would love to hear from all of you the feedback on today's episode any previous guest as well and we'll share any stories we hear uh moving forward you can reach me via email lfavali at syracusecrunch.com or on twitter at lucas favali those are the ways to get in touch with me about the podcast here uh, this week and every other week as we continue with Crunch Chronicles. We've got another really special guest next week on Crunch Chronicles. We, I know you'll enjoy this one uh, coming up, episode 12, right around the corner. That's coming up next week, right here, same time, same place, wherever you get your podcasts. That'll do it for us this week. Thanks once again to Tyson Nash for joining us on episode 11 of Crunch Chronicles. We'll be back next week with another great guest and another great episode of Crunch Chronicles.